Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's not a win and you're in, but it's a must-win game in the regular season finale for the Pittsburgh Steelers against their bitter rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Welcome into the Believe in Steelers show. Rolling solo today, Ike Taylor is out sick. My name is Mark Bergen. Thank you for tuning in to watch the Week 18 preview, Steelers, Ravens, NFL's best rivalry. Before we get too far ahead with Lamar Jackson out and which other Ravens players are going to sit out in the Week 18 game, let me tell you all about betonline.ag, today's presenting sponsor. If you want to place a bet on any of the Week 18 action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. You can use our promo code, Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Pittsburgh has won six of seven against Baltimore. And Lamar Jackson will not play for the Baltimore Ravens in the finale. I think this is the right decision to make for John Harbaugh and company. Because if Lamar Jackson were to get hurt in what is a meaningless game for Baltimore they'd never hear the end of it. And Baltimore's already locked up the number one seed in the AFC. They'll have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So that's already taken care of. But to knock out your bitter rival at home, to get some redemption from earlier in the season because the Steelers handed the Ravens one of their three losses this season when the two teams played earlier this year at Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh. And I'll be honest with you, the Steelers' defense played outstanding football in the second half of that game, shutting out the Ravens in the second half of that game. But the Ravens in that game had like eight drops. And if they get one or two more catches, the outcome of that game is probably different. But this line has changed quite a bit because it opened up at the Steelers as two-point underdogs BetOnline.ag, today's presenting sponsor, has the Steelers as a three-point favorite going into this one. So it's been about a five-point swing with Lamar Jackson not playing in this one, likely the league MVP. But he's one of several Ravens starters not expected to play. So Zay Flowers, Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Hamilton, all among those who didn't practice earlier this week, and let me pull this up for you, the Ravens injury report right now. Give me just a second here as I get this on my screen. Zay Flowers, uh, the rookie receiver, has been one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets with Mark Andrews out the tight end, is doubtful. Kyle Hamilton, one of the safeties, uh, best NFL safeties, is questionable with a knee injury. I mean, you can go up and down this list. Malik Harrison, Marlon Humphrey, uh, they'll both be out. Questionable. Arthur Millette, Brandon Stevens, Daryl Worley is out as well. Kevin Zeitler, questionable. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, is listed as out. So, I mean, I can go up and down. There's a lot of players on this list. Ronald Darby. Uh, it's not just Lamar that's going to be sitting out in this game for the Baltimore Ravens, which helps Pittsburgh. But don't look past Baltimore. I mean, you could throw the records out whenever these two teams play. You can throw the records out. It, it doesn't really matter. And Pittsburgh has played Lamar and company about as well as anyone. Again, they've won six 
the Steelers have won six of seven against the Ravens. Tyler Huntley will start in favor of Lamar Jackson. And then uh, let me see here, get this in my notes. Josh Johnson will be the Ravens backup. So Huntley with a similar skill set is Jackson is a mobile quarterback. No one is Lamar. Let me just say that point blank period. No one is Lamar Jackson. But the Ravens were a favorite to open this one, and they're now an underdog with all the players expected to sit. And again, I think this this is the right decision. I want to say this on the record, too, because my co-host Ike Taylor's 2005 Steelers were the first six seed to ever win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying if the Steelers get in as the seventh seed that they're Super Bowl bound. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. There's going to be a year where seven seed gets into the wild card and gets hot at the right time in the season and goes on to win the Super Bowl. I don't know how soon it'll happen, but it will happen in our lifetimes. I can assure you that. And so the Ravens had the opportunity to just essentially end the Steelers season. Let me walk you through the Steelers playoff path to get to the playoffs because certainly it is much easier if Pittsburgh wins this game. So if the Steelers win, they can then get in through three scenarios. A Buffalo Bills loss to the Miami Dolphins. They can get in with a Jaguars loss to the Tennessee Titans. Or with a win, they can get in if the Houston Texans and Colts tie. That that Texans-Colts game is on Saturday night. The Steelers can also get in with a tie with a Jaguars loss and if the if the Colts and Texans game doesn't end in a tie. And then the last scenario would be a Jaguars loss, a Broncos win, and then again, the Colts and the Texans not ending in a tie. So five scenarios for the Steelers to get into the playoffs. You can see that on your screen right now. Certainly it's much easier if the Steelers win and take care of business on Saturday. The first of what should be a terrific regular season finale for the NFL. Week 18, I cannot believe that's already here. And say what you want about PFF. They've got the Steelers with a 68% chance of making the playoffs with a win and a 17% chance of making the playoffs with a loss. So there you go. Those are the Steelers' playoff scenarios. Uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be making his third start for the Steelers this season. He's been terrific. It's a two-game sample size. He has been the Steelers' best quarterback this series, uh, this season, period. He's been the best quarterback for Pittsburgh, point-blank, period. Back-to-back games where they score at least 30 points. Back-to-back games where George Pickens has more than 100 yards, more than 130 yards. And he's only one of... Two other Steelers receivers to do that. Who are we talking about, Mark? Hines Ward, Antonio Brown. Good company to be in if you're George Pickens. So it's as simple as this. Like, how has been Mason Rudolph been successful this season? It's getting George Pickens the football. It's getting George Pickens the football and targeting your best player with the ball in his hands. This is not to excuse him not blocking for Jalen Warren, or him not trying to chase after a defender after an interception. But it is to say, if you get him the ball in his hands, what a special player he can be. And it's hanging in the pocket, and it's not turning the ball over either. Back-to-back weeks, Mason Rudolph has not turned over the ball, winning the turnover differential 
back-to-back weeks. 3-0 against Cincinnati, and then I believe it was 1-0 against the Seattle Seahawks. In a hostile environment, and they have been running the ball better. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and company, that line, I thought, really took the home crowd out of it as best they could in Seattle and what is one of the NFL's loudest stadiums. So I don't want to shortcut that, but with Mason Rudolph and his success, it's let's get George Pickens the football. And look, there was that cat and mouse game in Seattle. If you want to bring a, a safety down in the box to stop the running game and have eight men in the box, we're going to beat you over the top with George Pickens. If you want to bracket and double George Pickens, we're going to run the ball on you. And we're going to get the ball to... Deontay Johnson and to Pat Fryermuth. And it's not abandoning the pocket either. The difference between Mason Rudolph this year and Mason Rudolph in 2019 to me is as simple as this. You have George Pickens on the roster. Do you see what a special talent he can be if you get the ball in his hands consistently? A future star receiver. We might be seeing a star developing and blossoming as is. And for George, it's the consistency and it's the want to on every single play. And it's not allowing a bad rep on film to be exposed, particularly in a loss, because let's be honest here. We wouldn't be talking about that at all. At all. After a win. It's after a loss where it's like, what the heck happened on this play? And it's something that I think has been corrected. And it's something I don't anticipate we'll see again. But Mason Rudolph and his success, it's tied to George Pickens. It is tied to George Pickens. Okay, let's get into the discussion about Kenny Pickett and him denying the rumors and the reports that he refused to be the Steelers' backup in the Week 17 game against the Seahawks. And I want to start here. Hindsight's 2020, but this quote-unquote report that came out that he refused to be the backup. What exactly are we arguing about? Because the way Mason Rudolph has been playing, he would have been on the field regardless. So Kenny Pickett wouldn't be playing. So what are we even debating about? If you want to criticize Pickett's on-field play, I think that's a discussion worth having. If you want to discuss to say, oh, well, I would have been the starter against the Seahawks, I'm not sure I buy that. I'm not sure I buy that particularly, and maybe he misspoke. But he wasn't even cleared until last Thursday in advance of the Seahawks game. And Mike Tomlin has said that that wasn't enough time for the proper preparations. So, yes, I want to see Kenny Pickett as the backup over Mitch Trubisky. No doubt about that. We'll get that this week. But to me, the argument coming off ankle surgery is really irrelevant Because right now, until Mason Rudolph proves otherwise, I think he'll be the Steelers' starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. He'll get the start in the regular season finale. If they win again, if the season continues on, he's likely the quarterback in the playoff game. It's 2024 in the regular season finale. You knew when the schedule came out that it was probably going to come down to the final week of the season against the Ravens. And here we are with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback. This isn't the twilight zone. This is 2024. This is 2024, but the way he's been playing, Mason Rudolph, he deserves every opportunity to continue to start because, again, it's a two-game sample size for him. He's been Pittsburgh's best quarterback. But here's the thing, too, about what Kenny Pickett said, and he addressed this report, which he refuted earlier this week. 
it would be uncharacteristic how he's behaved since he stepped in the door of the Steelers facility, since he came over from Pittsburgh across the hallway, Acrosure Stadium. Remember, they share the same facilities. It'd be uncharacteristic of him. And unless this report before it came out is coming directly from Kenny Pickett or Mike Tomlin, and whether you want to give them truth serum or not, or what they tell reporters and media members, who cares? Who cares? Like, if this is the hill we're willing to die on, what are we talking about? Because, again, the way Mason Rudolph has played the last two weeks, he was going to start regardless. And in week 16 against the Bengals, Pickett wasn't cleared to play. Last week against the Seahawks, Pickett's still working his way back from ankle surgery. So who cares? And I thought Mike Tomlin handled it well in advance of that game to say, Mason's going to start. We'll see how Pickett progresses throughout the week. If you want to criticize Mike Tomlin, I think you could criticize to say, should the Steelers have played Mason Rudolph over Mitch Trubisky sooner? Because even with a win, the Steelers could miss out on the playoffs in the after the finale, after week 18. You got to go back to that Colts game when Rudolph came in at the very end. But, well, the game was already out of hand. But here's another thing people aren't talking about. I can give you 8 million reasons why Mitch Trubisky started over Mason Rudolph when Kenny Pickett was out with his ankle injury. I can give you 8 million reasons. Kenny Pickett is due $8 million this year. Go look at his contracts. He is the 28th highest paid quarterback in the NFL for this season. Yearly salary. Look it up. Mason Rudolph tested the waters in free agency. No one wanted him. He came back to Pittsburgh on a league minimum. He's making just more than a million dollars this season. The Steelers, the way that they operate from the top down, should be commended and applauded. The Roonies, general manager Omar Khan, head coach Mike Tomlin, on down to the players. They're in lockstep to say, okay, when Kenny Pickett is out with his ankle injury, you pay a premium for a backup like Mitch Trubisky, who has 50-plus career starts in this league. He's made the playoffs twice as a starter, dating back to his days in Chicago. He didn't get it done. Mitch Trubisky didn't get it done. But are you going to yank him and then to say, well, let's put Mason Rudolph in the game. He deserves a shot. When Mitch is making eight times his salary, when Mitch Trubisky, again, is the 28th highest paid quarterback in the league this season. You want to pay $8 million for a third-string quarterback? What are we talking about here? The Steelers have an out with Trubisky this season. I've been banging this drum for weeks now here on the Believe in Steelers show. You exercise that out with Trubisky. You try to bring Mason Rudolph back on the cheap, on a team-friendly deal, and you go draft and develop a quarterback in the mid to late rounds to have as your second or third stringer this upcoming season behind Pickett. You bring in a new OC from outside the organization, fresh blood to try to get this right. And to get the best of the best to get a new OC to do that, you've got to extend Mike Tomlin's contract beyond the 2024 season. Otherwise, he's going to be a lame duck head coach going into next year. And who's going to want that job, knowing that Mike Tomlin might be one and done in 2024? And say what you want about Tomlin and the lack of playoff success and the bad offense the last several years. 17 seasons of 500 football or better should be applauded. We're all frustrated with the lack of playoff success. 
we're all frustrated with where the offense is. There's no doubt about that. But 17 years where you haven't been below 500, it is shameful that some fans want to just ride him out of town. Because if you're going to do that, and you could say, well, oh, the Roonies have a great track record of success of hiring coaches. They only do it about once every quarter century. And I'm not saying that there's not a candidate out there, but you got to give me at least three to four to five names of people you could realistically get to revamp this organization. And say if you wanted Ben Johnson or someone from uh, Shanahan's tree out in San Francisco to replace Tomlin, a, a conversation no one's having is, okay, the Steelers run a 3-4 base defense. Is the new head coach that you're going to bring in going to run a 4-3 because all your personnel is a 3-4 is a three, four base? Three down linemen, four linebackers. No one's talking about that and having a deeper level conversation. There were times weeks ago this felt different with Mike Tomlin. And maybe we are nearing the end. But careful what you wish for if you want to run him out of town. Because it is a consensus that if the Steelers were ever to part ways with Mike Tomlin, he'd find a job with one of the other 31 teams or in a broadcast booth by sundown on the same day. And I know maybe his voice at times has gotten stale in this locker room. You can point to the lack of coaching trees that he's had, uh, the lack thereof. But the thing that I consist consistently go back to is at least you're putting yourself in the position to at least get in the playoffs, right? Like how many other organizations would love to say we've had 17 seasons in a row under this coach where we haven't been below 500? His highest draft pick is number 10 when they traded up in 2019 to draft Devin Bush. That's his highest pick. And again, the offense has to get better, no doubt, but I've provided the pathway of how I'd go about doing that. That's what I would do if I were in Pittsburgh's front office in this game, if the Steelers get into the playoffs. And then this offseason, there's going to be some changes. And again, let's go back to Kenny Pickett for a second, right? If you want to criticize Kenny, to me, it's the on-field play, right? Like his character, I'm not worried about that. This, this quote-unquote report that came out this week, honestly, I don't really buy it. But wait, if you do want to criticize, hey, only six touchdown passes and four picks. In year two, you're supposed to be developing beyond your rookie season. Like, yeah, the lack of turnovers, but six touchdown passes, that's not going to get it done. So I think he'll have the opportunity to start next week. He's a first-round pick. You spent plenty of draft capital on him. But after year three, you're going to know, okay, are we picking up the fifth-year option for this guy? What can he do with the new OC? What can he do with uh, an influx of new talent, whether it be draft picks or free agency? Who's coming back? And the skill position players that you have are still very young for Pittsburgh. What's that look like in 2024 after this season? He'll get, he'll get his opportunity next year. He will. He will. And if Mason Rudolph wants to stick around, I say have an open competition in the 2024 season. Because right now, Mason is balling. I don't know if he can keep it up. I don't think Mason Rudolph's the long-term answer. I don't, from what I've seen thus far. But he's made the most of his opportunity. And when things didn't work out in 2019, he comes in for Ben, has a winning record, Gets hurt, Duck Hodges come in, 
Mason Rudolph goes back in the lineup, and then he gets benched in favor of Duck Hodges in the 2019 season. A few years later, new OC, new systems. He's been in the locker room. When he got his next opportunity, he's made the most of it. And I hope that continues this weekend. We'll see if that continues this weekend against a good Ravens defense, even without several starters in a must-win game. And how he's positioned the Steelers to even get to this point. And we wanted to run him out of town years ago, too. When it all came full circle where it was like, can Mason Rudolph perform a Festivus miracle? He did it against the Bengals. What about New Year's Eve against the Seahawks? Can he do it again in the new year against your bitter rival in the Baltimore Ravens? We'll see. Uh, Steelers injury report. Let me get to that really quickly. Let me pull this up here. Minka Fitzpatrick is questionable. Trenton Thompson is questionable as well. And then Elandon Roberts questionable too. Those are the three that stick out to me on this injury report that you can see on your screen right now. Getting Minka back would be huge. This defensive backfield has been ravaged and devastated by injuries. They've done a good job. Eric Rowe has filled in. Miles Jack has filled in. Patrick Peterson moving over to the safety position has done a nice job as well. Patrick Peterson has already said he will be back next year for the Steelers in the 2024 season, but he's really turned it around this year and gotten acclimated with everything too. And so we'll see. Getting Minka back would be huge though from that knee injury. And then Landon Roberts has played out of his mind, particularly in the absence when Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander went down with injuries and Omar Khan tried to revamp the inside linebacker room, bringing in those players to fill in for Miles Jack and Devin Bush. And you saw what Devin Bush did last week. And yeah, he had 17 tackles, but how many of those were pylons? How many of those were well down the field where the Steelers dominated the line of scrimmage and they dominated time of possession? Hard running and a, a ton of broken tackles from both Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. That's that bully ball mentality I've wanted to see for weeks now. And I said this immediately after the game. I thought it was one of two of Najee Harris's best games in a Steelers uniform. He could have had three touchdowns. He unselfishly went down at the end of the game. I thought in a must-win game, in a hostile environment, in a game Seattle desperately needed to, Najee played out of his mind. And I think the, uh, the other game that sticks out to me was Ben's final game in Pittsburgh against the Cleveland Browns. Those are the two games with Najee Harris. And we say it all the time with Najee. And I do think Jalen Warren's better, but November, December, January football, he's a moose and trying to bring him down, trying to tackle him. It, it can't be fun for opposing defenses. It really can't be fun for opposing defenses. A few other topics to get to. Uh, three Steelers selected to the Pro Bowl. I've said this before, and let me let this be a PSA for you again. All pro is based on merit and on-field performance. Pro Bowl is a popularity contest. So TJ Watt, no surprise, he's getting a Pro Bowl nod, leading the league in sacks with 17 heading into the final week of the regular season. Minka Fitzpatrick, who's only played in 10 games this year, said to the Pro Bowl, uh, Watt is going to make the Pro Bowl for his sixth time, Fitzpatrick his fourth. And then Miles Killebrew in his third season with the Steelers, his eighth in the NFL, selected for the first time. Uh, he's blocked two punts this season. I was at the game when he blocked it against the Ravens in Pittsburgh. That punt block turned that whole game around what was 
a really dismal game to watch through three quarters. Steelers get the punt block, safety, they get another stop, they drive down the field. Jalen Warren's going crazy, the drive stalls. It's 10 to 8. Gunnar Osheski fumbles. Joey Porter Jr. gets a pick, and then Kenny Pickett finds George Pickens in a one on one matchup against Marlon Humphrey downfield for the touchdown that ended up winning the game. It was that punt block that re-energized the stadium in the Pittsburgh Steelers fans at Acrisure Stadium, and good for him. He's played his butt off, and it's not just the punt blocks with Killebrew either. He leads the Steelers in special teams tackles. He's got 13. No other player on the team has more than seven. Miles Killebrew has been outstanding on special teams for the Steelers this season. I'm glad he's getting recognized as a Pro Bowl nod. I'll be honest with you, before they actually announced it earlier this week, it was like, yeah, Watt's probably going to be the only one who's deserving to go. But Miles Killebrew, he's played well this year. I'm glad to see he's getting recognized. And then Minka is more based on reputation. He doesn't have any takeaways this year. Coming off a season where he had six interceptions. But the Steelers line up with Minka Fitzpatrick on the field versus with Minka off the field. He's a ball hawk. And when the takeaways come for Minka, they come in bunches. So hopefully he can get back to the ways of turning the ball over and being a nightmare for opposing offenses. Watt named the Steelers MVP as well. No surprise here. And if you look at Watt's stats as well, 42 solo tackles, 17 sacks again, tied for first in the NFL, four forced fumbles tied for fifth in the league. He's got an interception as well. The pass deflections too, where he seems to always be in the face of right-handed quarterbacks. TJ Watt's been outstanding. I said this after the Seahawks game, too, where Geno Smith, he just couldn't seem to quite get him for a sack. You credit Geno there. The time they had played before, it was Watt's strip sack fumble late in the game off of a triple team that sealed the game for the Steelers. TJ Watt, the way he's officiated, needs to be looked at. And it reminds me of Shaquille O'Neal and the hack-a-shack strategy from back in the day where referees had to ref Shaq differently because he was such a physical force in nature. I hope we're not seeing the same thing with Watt where the play he got hurt on against the Seahawks, he was essentially tackled to the ground and there was no penalty. So I know that the refs don't always want to throw a flag on every play, but if he's being held, if he's being blocked illegally, if his face mask is getting hit, throw the flag, please. And we need to make sure that we're being vocal about this Online on social media, because like if this isn't officiated properly, it's an offensive league. I think there are already too many rules to favor offense. The rest are starting to officiate Watt differently, period. And if he had gotten seriously injured on that play where they didn't even throw a flag, it's like, what? you can't just tackle him to the ground. That's illegal. It's ridiculous. And I want to say this too. I commend Watt as a leader of this team. Because Nick Herbig had two defensive snaps, and one of them was a strip sack fumble of Geno Smith, a crucial play for the Steelers, which helped them win in week 17 against the Seahawks. And it was Watt who was saying, hey, this guy's made the most of his opportunity. If you look at win rates, pressure rates, sack rates, Nick Herbig with the big sample size. I Look, I, I want to see T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith on the field as much as possible. Marcus Golden, I think, has done well at at times too. Going into the year, I thought this was a group that didn't have a lot of depth. And now what a great problem for the Steelers to have because 
They have more edge rushers than they can allocate playing time to. But keep them fresh. If a guy needs a blow, if he needs a breather, if he needs some water on the sidelines, it's truly next man up with this edge rushing group with Pittsburgh because I think all four players, Watt, Highsmith, Golden, Nick Herbig are capable. And Nick Herbig has made the most of his opportunities with not a ton of snaps. And speaking of the rookies too, Joey Porter Jr. named the Steelers Rookie of the Year. Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Herbig, I think we're starting to see Darnell Washington contribute, particularly in the run game. Yeah, I'd like to see the Steelers get him the ball more, but he's an extension of the offensive line. It's almost like having an additional right tackle out there. I'd love to see Broderick Jones go down the field and get to the second and third level of defenses because we call him a dancing polar bear. He's able to move in ways that 300-plus pound players shouldn't be able to move. Darnell Washington's certainly part of that group too. And with Joey Porter Jr., there's times he's looked elite. There's times where he's taken he's taken Jamar Chase out of the game. There were times DK Metcalf got the better of him. But the fact that he's already taking on some of opposing teams' best players and their number one receivers already as a rookie bodes well for him in the future in the coming years. And to me, it's no surprise. I mean, the one thing that, yes, he needs to work on is his tackling. But go back to that game earlier this year where the Steelers probably shouldn't have won against Baltimore earlier this year in Pittsburgh. It was Porter Jr.'s interception when the Ravens have the ball first down inside the 10-yard line, up two points. If they score a touchdown, game's over. And it was Joey Porter Jr.'s one-on-one with Odell Beckham Jr. Jump ball, go up and get it. High point the ball. Joey Porter Jr. has done a great job as a rookie. Hasn't always been perfect. Matching up against opposing teams, number one receivers. And the fact that the Steelers finally have a cornerback that can do that. Joe Hayden played at a high level towards the end of his career. But the Steelers really haven't had a player quite like this since my co-host Ike Taylor still suited up for the Steelers. I'm just going to be honest here. And you might be saying it's a little bit of homerism there. That's not to shortcut any other player's contributions to this team, but it's just the truth in terms of what he can do one-on-one on on the outside where you're on an island and it's man-on-man, cornerback versus receiver. It's just the truth. Uh, There are a lot of comments. Let me get to a few here. Appreciate all of you checking in here on a Friday morning. Uh, Brian checking in saying, fam, good morning with the coffee emoji. I've had mine already. If you can't tell, uh, Jared devil saying I was at that game. It was crazy. I think you're referring to the Steelers Ravens game in Pittsburgh earlier this year. Uh, a lot of other people checking in, um, Mr. Sywood saying glad he was here, uh, here first this year too, giving us hope for a week or two. I believe you're referring to Mason Rudolph there. Thank you for checking in. Um, Terry checking in. He's a regular. Remember, Mason had his own trouble when he started a couple years ago. Need to have a little more patience with Kenny. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. He's a second-year player. And I don't know if he's the answer, the franchise quarterback long-term. I need a bigger sample size. You know, the popular answer on social media is, oh, let's see and wait. Right now, I would lean towards no. If I had to make a decision right now, I would say no. But let's see what Kenny Pickett could do next year with a new OC. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Terry, thank you for checking in. Appreciate that. 
A lot of people checking in. Steven saying about Tomlin, 17 years without top-tier draft picks, that adds up eventually. Chuck Knoll said the same thing at at the end of his time as head coach. The lack of bad seasons turned against turn the team stagnant seems similar. Absolutely. To where you're a victim of your own success. It's funny you say this, Stephen. I remember several years ago, the Steelers were playing Washington. And Chase Young, who now plays for the 49ers, is lined up on the field talking to Tomlin pregame. And Tomlin just laughs at him and says, <laughs> you know, I, we are never selecting high enough to draft a guy that looks like you. He straight up said this pregame to Chase Young. It's the truth. It's the truth. Chase Young, I believe the second overall pick out of Ohio State several seasons back. Um, Mr. Sywood checking in about Tomlin as well. Tomlin is on notice, though. He needs to get better and evolve. I'm not wearing Tomlin glasses. I, I hear what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying because we've seen it year after year after year with the struggles of the offense. That we can agree on. How you go about doing that I, and how you go about doing that in the best way possible for this team, the rest of this season, the 2024 season and beyond, see the force between the trees instead of let's just make every knee-jerk reaction that we see on social media to improve the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steven checking in and saying, hit that like button, everyone. Steven, I appreciate your support, and I agree with you. Um, Mr. Sywood also checking in. A lot of us were done with Mitch, just money at that point. Again, I want to go back to this, and no one seems to be talking about this. Mitch Trubisky is owed $8 million this season. Mason Rudolph, a little bit more than $1 million. Eight times the amount for Mitch Trubisky than for Mason Rudolph. Should Tomlin have moved to Rudolph sooner? Certainly. Certainly. But are you really going to have a third-string quarterback that you're paying $8 million to? Think about this logically throughout the whole organization and what the front office responsibility is, what the head coach responsibility is. There's a reason why they stuck with Mitch for as long as they did. And it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Again, if it's up to me, I would exercise that out with Mitch Trubisky in the offseason. They have one in 2024. I would exercise that. But no one wants to seem to talk about the salary. Again, should they have done it sooner? Yeah, but you're paying a premium to have a premium backup. And clearly Mitch Trubisky isn't that. I think everyone could see that. I think everyone can see that. Um, Brian checking in. I think this will be the last comment. And I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Put down the pit glasses. Would you rather watch the Steelers with Pickett or Rudolph? Which is more fun? Which one you say, okay, we're going to kick their butts today. It's Rudolph. I am with you for this season, 100%. You can see that on the screen, regardless of where you're watching in this country, the body language of the players, of the quarterback, of how the offense comports itself. You can't always quantify body language, but Ike says this all the time, and I listen to what Ike says because he was playing the league for 12 years. The sideline tells the story, and the sideline has told the story with Mason Rudolph through a two-game sample size this year compared to when it's been Kenny Pickett out there, when it's been Mitch Trubisky out there. It's a night and day difference. It's a night and day difference in the simplicity. The simplest way I can explain it is that getting the ball to George Pickens um, is, is very important. Michael checking in. 
and this will be the last one I get to. Everyone, I appreciate all of your questions during our What Yins Think segment. Michael asking, Mark, what would it take to keep Mason around? It's going to depend on salary. And the thing with Mason Rudolph, he's made himself money this year. To think you could get him back for a million bucks, that ain't happening. Now, if you're Pittsburgh, I would say if you were due to pay Mitch Trubisky $8 bucks this year between five and six for the next two, can you allocate that money to where I'm assuming they're going to get rid of Trubisky? Can you allocate that money to Mason and then draft a rookie quarterback mid to late rounds to serve as your third stringer and to compete for the backup role? But I would say if you're Pittsburgh, I wouldn't want to pay Mason Rudolph anything more than $8 million, $9 million. 10 is like where I set that limit where it's like mm, too much for a backup. But if you could bring Mason Rudolph for 4 or $5 million per season, I would do it. Now, that also comes with the understanding Mason Rudolph might want – he may want to go to another organization where he can compete for a starting position or he can at least compete for a backup role. He might not want to come back to Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph might say, thanks for the opportunity to start my career here. I want to go see what I can do elsewhere. After everything he's been through – but I think one of the reasons why he's very well respected in the Steelers locker room is he's been here. He understands what the standard is. The standard is he understands what it was like to learn under Ben Roethlisberger for better or for worse with their relationship. There's been a lot of reports about that. He spoke, they've both spoken about it publicly before, but he's been here the longest. And so I think there's a respect there to where he's been a consummate professional since he's gotten drafted out of Oklahoma State, despite what's been good play the last two weeks and what's been poor performance dating back to that 2019 season, where what did the Steelers really have around him to set him up for success? He's still a young quarterback in this league. And it's a lot of the same struggles that Kenny Pickett's undergoing right now as a second-year player. So for me, if I'm Pittsburgh, could you offer him a two-year deal worth $12 million? I don't know. I'd throw something out low. His camp will try to probably throw out something higher, see if you can meet in the middle. But again, that's with, okay, if you're bringing him back, are you telling Mason Rudolph and his agent, hey, you'll have an opportunity to compete for a starting position? And it, is it actually an open quarterback competition or are the Steelers going to say, oh, it's a competition, but then we're going to actually start Kenny Pickett because he was our first round pick. You see? So that's, that's how I'm approaching it. But let's get through this season. Let's get through the regular season in the finale. Does Pittsburgh make the playoffs? And trust me, there's going to be plenty of time to discuss what the Steelers need to do at the quarterback position in the offseason. But that's how I'd approach it. Anything like $10 million is like my cutoff where it's like, no, we can get someone else as the backup. But to say, could you sign Mason Rudolph for a two-year deal for like $10 million? two-year deal for maybe like 16 would be like 8 million bucks a year would be, that's a lot for a premium. Go look up the salaries of starting quarterbacks in this league. And like, look for the elite level quarterbacks, 40 million, $50 million a year. And that's only going to continue to increase as the salary cap increases. But for backups, you don't want to pay a premium just to have them sit on the bench and carry a clipboard. So that's what I would do. I would also time it to when, Kenny Pickett's rookie deal is up to kind of just see where you're at with things. That's how I would approach it. That's how I would approach it. 
I want to thank all of you for tuning in. NFL Week 18 is going to be terrific. Steelers, Ravens, always the best rivalry in the league. If you're watching this on YouTube, please tap subscribe. Apple and Spotify, five stars and five stars only. Ike Taylor and I will be back next week recapping this game. Whether the Steelers are in the playoffs or not, we'll look ahead to that. If they are in the postseason, enjoy Saturday's matchup, Steelers and Ravens, and have a terrific rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. My name is Mark Bergen. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.